The Blur Havoc podcast may contain content some may find offensive, vulgar, or inappropriate for work or school. All views expressed on this show solely belong to the individual that expressed them. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to the Blur Havoc Podcast. I am your host, the roguishly handsome, as always, as ever, Alistair Haken. And today, first of all, I'm stalling because I really don't know what we finna talk about today. But today, our drink of choice is the Flying Cauldron Butterscotch Beer. This is delicious, okay? I'm not even gonna lie to you. I've had this before, and it's absolutely fantastic. All right, let's let's go ahead and just drink this. Oh, oh, that is, oh, that is good. That is, mmm, mmm, that's good. That's good. Oh man. Whoo. Man, they need to make this so much easier to find because butterscotch beer by Flying Cauldron is delicious. If I'm not mistaken, this is like some kind of Harry Potter-based drink or something. I don't know. I don't really care. It's just delicious. But, man, give me some more of it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so good. Whew. It's not alcoholic, by the way. It's just called butterscotch beer. But, um... So, what are we talking about today, boys? Um, whew, wow, I forgot how delicious that was. Um, so, I know what we're talking about today. Today, I'm going to talk about something I alluded to in my Shadow the Hedgehog retrospective, which was the, um, what it was is that I brought up the fact that in Shadow the Hedgehog, the cursing came across as immature because it only shows up in certain parts of the story and it's it's not sprinkled throughout you know to make it feel more evenly distributed there are specific moments in which there are swear words and that is it it's not casual like it is in like a pg-13 movie like in um in like avengers or guardians of the galaxy where the characters curse you know quite frequently not like you know throughout the entire movie but you know it's the cursing is far more casual. While Shadow the Hedgehog, it's more so just using the word damn or hell to be edgy. So why are we bring this up? Well, we're bringing this up because I want to talk about explicit content. And how it's not necessarily a bad thing to use explicit content, but you have to know how to use it in a classy way. And we're going to do something different. We're actually going to analyze my own first novel, Blur Havoc, Paragon War, where one of my self-critiques, yes, I'm humbling myself before you. One of my my self-critiques for Blur Havoc, Paragon War was that I felt like the characters cursed too much and too severely. To put it in perspective, the cursing was so bad um, that at one point, Rise says the F word, which... 
if you read any of the other Blur Havoc books, because he's literally in all of them, um, you'll know that Rise doesn't really say the word fuck very often, but he says it like two or three times in the first book. Um, in the the in-universe reason for why he says it is that he always says it when he's extremely angry, and in-universe, um, you know, I, I, is it spoilers? I don't know. It's like revealed in the first like two chapters that this is the case, but it's re- in in universe. Uh, his wife was killed by Alistair, um, so it's fair to say he's very very upset. He's very angry. It's fair for him to be very angry. So, but in the other books, he's calmed down a bit. He's not as angry as he was in Blur Havoc One. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um. So he doesn't curse as severely as he does in the first book. But Alistair and Bria, oh my goodness, they say the word fuck and shit almost every other sentence, dude. And I had I was like, dude, this is actually a bit much. So in Blue Havoc 2, I definitely toned it down. Um the word the word fucking shit, you know, they are in Blur Havoc 2, but I just toned it down a bit because it was just a bit too aggressive. Um So in the in that's the reason why I did that is because I wanted each swear word to have more impact. Yes, even swear words, you need to design your dialogue to account for swear words. Um, like we, one of my favorite tropes. Yes, we're gonna go to TV tropes. My favorite trope: precision f strike is my favorite trope because it is such. A deliberate design choice to have a character swear at a specific point. Let's look at the laconic definition of this. Precision F-Strike. Profanity, especially if it's harsh, is used in a work or by a character that doesn't use it, emphasizing the importance of the line slash situation. Yes. And in Blur Havoc 1 and 2 and 3, all of the, all of the Blur Havoc books use this trope. Blur Havoc 1, there's a scene between Alistair and Melanie where Melanie uses the F word. When the rest of the book, she doesn't use the F word. Blur Havoc 2, Ozzy uses the F word when he doesn't use the F word in any of the other books. Blur Havoc 3, Velana uses the F word when she literally never uses it before that book. And they're all emotionally intense and, and, and extremely like high stakes moments. Because it, it's really to like push how intense that scene is. Like for, uh, let's see. Let's do Blur Havoc 1, alright? Because I don't really want to spoil Blur Havoc 2 or 3. But Blur Havoc 1, um, for the proper context of the scene, Alistair and Melanie are in this hallway. And it's revealed earlier in the book uh, that Melanie is basically like half cybernetic due to a quote-unquote accident that I won't get into right now. And at one point, her cybernetic or synthetic limbs, like, kind of malfunction and kind of twitch nervously. Um, And then Alistair kind of accidentally, like, reacts adversely to it. And then Melody, in this moment, Melody feels like she's, you know, ugly and and not wanted. So she kind of, she breaks down and feels, and cries and says that she feels ugly and the the thing she says is that she says i feel like a fucking monster and it it, it 
it's harsh to read because Melanie literally doesn't say that word throughout the rest of the book. And then Alistair's reaction is also supposed to be what the reader's reaction is, where he feels a shiver down his spine because he's never really heard Melanie swear like that. And that's the point. Now, profanity is easy. It's just use the appropriate language in the appropriate time. You know, increase the intensity of the of the swear word in the intensity of the scene. Makes sense. Because in Blur Havoc 1, I wrote the characters like as if they were like me or i swear i'm like you don't understand in the podcast i tone down how much i swear so much like literally two days ago i accidentally cursed in front of my aunt because <laughs> i burped and then i accidentally said shit afterwards and i didn't even realize it until it was too late but that's how i really am is i curse like every other word but in in literature and in dialogue and movies it doesn't really flow that well to have a character say fucking shit over and over again back to back over and over again so um that was one of the critiques i had for myself was that i needed to tone down the language because it doesn't it doesn't sound good on the ears it's a bit grating on the ears to have a character constantly say the f word and the s word so now let's talk about violence violence is interesting because for cultural reasons for some reason in america culturally we look at violence as the lowest offensive thing in the totem pole of offenses right so what i mean by the totem pole of offenses is that there are three things sex language and violence and depending on your culture, one is one is at the top, one is in the middle, and one is at the bottom. In America, violence is at the bottom. But in America, sex is at the top. Like, like you could see a bunch of violence. People get their arms chopped off and, you know, all this crazy shit. But God forbid, God forbid there is some titty in a PG-13 movie. God forbid that happens. Sex and nudity, by the way. Sex and nudity are in the same category. But, like, don't let, don't let, you know, some sexual shit happen in a movie. We are really uncomfortable with sex in America. Violence, whatever. Violence is violence. It doesn't matter. Language is kind of in the middle where it's like hell, crap, and damn. They're kind of lower on the totem pole, but shit fucking the c word which i won't say right now those are up there where it's like oh wow he just said that um and bitch is kind of in the middle where it's like depending on the context um the word bitch can be a bit you know a bit much and then other times it's like eh, eh it's whatever but um yeah so where was i again oh yeah 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 violence um so violence you can use violence to make a point right for reasons I'm not going to a spoiler right now, in Blur Havoc 2, there's a point where Alistair goes basically Doomslayer mode, right? He's angry, and he's violent, incredibly violent, as in a lot of his kills are inspired by the glory kill system from Doom Eternal and Doom 2016, where some of the stuff he does, like, in one instance, he, like, has a, a 1911, he literally jams it in a woman's mouth, breaking all of her teeth, forcing her to the ground, and then shoots her twice in the back of the throat. Now, why, you may ask? Well, you have to read Blur Havoc 2 to understand why he's so angry. But he's angry, and that's to show you how angry he is. 
And let's talk about the um, the source material that I was inspired by, Doom Eternal. There's a reason why the Doom Slayer kills the demons in such a gory and excessive fashion. Because he's that angry. He's so angry at the demons. He hates the demons so much, he's willing to rip them apart in the nastiest and most inhumane ways. It's implied that the Doom Slayer had a family that the demons killed, and that's why he's so angry about it. But... Yeah, there's a reason for him to be that angry, and a reason to be that violent. But, let's think of a... Uh, let's go back to Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder's Justice League. We were just talking about this a few episodes ago. How needlessly violent it is. It's needlessly dark and violent. Like, he... Zack Snyder... I remember Zack Snyder posted this on his social media of Steppenwolf fighting the amazonians and he added blood to scenes that originally didn't have blood in them uh like the amazonians getting sliced by his giant uh axe all of a sudden giant cartoonishly large splashes of blood fly through the air like it's deadpool or something and it's like uh that wasn't in the original cut and it, we can talk about why he added all that crazy stuff to justice league on another day or rather just go watch Mahler's video on it. Mahler, um, basically Mahler says he just wanted to make a different version of Justice League. And he wanted to distance himself from the Joss Whedon cuts as much as possible. Adding blood was one of the reasons. And one of the things he did to distance himself from the Joss Whedon cut. And it, it adds nothing. It adds nothing to, to the scene to have giant ribbons of blood fly through the air. And, um... What else was there? There was a there was a scene where uh, Cyborg's dad gets like melted, and it's like, did it really need to be that gruesome? Or the scene where um, the Justice League loses for a split second, and then Flash rewinds time, and you get to see Superman get rebuilt from the bone and muscle and sinew and blood, and it's just like, ill. Why? Why did we have to see that? There was no reason. You just wanted to add blood and gore and nastiness to this movie for dark and edgy reasons or to make it different from the Joss Whedon cut. There was no reason to add it. Now there's other instances where blood and gore and violence are added for comedic effect. Such as, uh, like Family Guy. Like the jokes where Peter falls down the stairs and like it's such a dramatic and violent fashion that you can't help but laugh at it because of how egregiously violent it is. Or another one, oh my god, we have to have an entire episode about Smiling Friends because Smiling Friends is one of my favorite shows in a very long time. But there's an episode where it literally called Charlie uh, Dies and Goes to Hell or something like that. Let me... Let me. Charlie dies and doesn't come back. That's the episode title for Smiling Friends episode 8. Um, and basically, the joke, the reason I'm bringing this up is because in the episode, Charlie doesn't really want to be out for Christmas, um, chopping down Christmas trees for work. Um, and he's stuck out in the woods with it, with his friends or and co-workers. And he's like violently hacking at this tree. And you know it's coming. You know it's about to happen. And then when it finally happens, it's so over the top and violent that you can't help but laugh at it because you didn't expect it to be. You knew the tree was going to fall on him. 
but you didn't expect it to be that violent where his he basically explodes like his bones are like sticking out of his body it's so needlessly violent and it makes it funnier because of that like it's so comedic how violent his death was when that tree fell on him and that's the point there was a there was a clear design decision for that because there's nowhere else in the show is it that violent like it's never that violent in the show so they deliberately did that to like, like the the worst violence in the show was like i think it was an episode prior yeah the the previous episode with the frowning friends when they uh when they get shot up by the renaissance men um I guess spoilers. I guess um, he gets shot. They get shot up by the uh, the Renaissance men and they die. But it's not as violent as Charlie getting squished by a tree, or maybe the um, the, ho- the the Halloween episode when the forest demon um, gets ripped up. That that could be on the same level. But most of most of the show isn't nearly as violent as Charlie's death in the the, se- the season finale. But, yeah, but that you could you could tell there was a design choice there. There was a reason for why they did that. Well, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, you can't really tell why he added blood and, and people blowing up and guts and shit. Dark side gets chopped in the the shoulder and blood literally explodes everywhere. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> And then the Green Lantern gets his this hand chopped off in that back that flashback scene. And then, like I said, with in, in the Justice League episode, the Grim Dark Sludge, whatever episode, I was drunk that episode. Okay, um, when when Darkseid steps on Steppenwolf's head after it was decapitated by Wonder Woman, it's like, bro, bro, why, <laughs> why, is all I'm asking, why. Oh my god, I want to suck that drink down so badly. Jesus Christ, it's so good. But but now that we've talked about whoa, <clears throat> but now that we've talked about violence and and in language, let's do I really even need to talk about this? Do I even really need to talk about how I feel about sex in movies and media? Because there was an episode where I already discussed this. Let me look back at my catalog of episodes here. Because I have already discussed how I feel about sex in movies and video games and media and shit. Um, it was back in season one. It was episode 14, The Birds and the Wieners. Where I, talk, I basically talked about how I didn't... Lo- I don't like sexual content, like overtly sexual content, such as sex scenes. I don't like that kind of shit in movies because it, it detracts. Like long, drawn-out sex scenes are just not my jam. Like, what's a good example of a sex scene I really didn't like? Um, I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey, the entire movie, is exactly what I'm talking about. And the, the the whole point of the movie is that it's supposed to be a movie about sex. And I hate it. I, I hate it. Now, the one sex scene I can say that I, I liked was the, this, this, the montage of sex scenes in Deadpool. 
because it, it wasn't a sex scene for the sake of sex scenes. It was a sex scene, a sex montage that showed the, the relationship of Vanessa and Wade growing while also being funny. So it wasn't just sex. It actually had a purpose to show how they were growing as a couple and falling in love. They weren't just because originally, remember, Vanessa is just a hooker at first. But then by the end of the sex montage, they're like a couple thinking about getting married and shit. You know? So that's a sex scene that actually adds to what we're looking at here. It adds to the story. And funny enough, me and my mom saw that movie together. And that was... It wasn't as awkward as the other sex scenes because there was a reason for why, why it was in the movie. Unlike a sex scene like... uh. Like the the one in The Incredible Hulk, uh, where or it wasn't really a sex scene, but they were about to like start getting it on, and um, and uh, like well, actually, and that sex scene actually does have a point to it, so it, it's not as uncomfortable as the other ones because the point is to show that the Hulk can't really get horny because his heart rate increases and he can Hulk out, and you can imagine the damage you do to a woman hulking out while you're having sex with her, so. Mother goddamn fuck. That's like the third episode that's happened. Why is my phone making noise? I don't like it. Shit. Anyway, um. But the Marvel movies usually kind of have a reason for showing something related to sex. There, I've heard there was a sex scene in Eternals, but I didn't see Eternals because it looked boring. But... Like in Iron Man 1, um, there was a brief sex scene between Tony and the reporter lady. And it was to show that Tony's a playboy. There was a reason for that scene. Um, and, the, and the scene taking place after it to show that Tony just, you know, is a playboy. And he's gone while she the reporter lady's waking up like, oh shit, he just left me in his house. There was a reason for that sex scene. But, ooh perfect example of a sex scene that did not need to be in the story the sex scene between abby and owen in the last of us 2 there was no reason for us to see that disgusting display of skin on skin action okay that shit was nasty all right i bro <laughs> that was disgusting like oh god that was nasty why did we have to see that why did we have to see that bro Mm, delicious but it was just a it was disgusting dude <laughs> but there was no but there was no greater context for why we needed to see that yeah owen and abby have feelings for each other but do we have to see them have sex in order for us to know that they have feelings for each other no and you'll see in my books that there are no sex scenes in my books none you know how i handle sex in my books Blur Havoc 2, at the beginning of the book, I think it's chapter 3, um, there is a flashback where it shows Valana and Alistair post-sex during pillow talk. And, and they, their dialogue implies that they just finished having sex. So I don't need to show you having, show you that they're having sex. 
because their dialogue and their behavior shows you that they were just recently bumping uglies. I don't need to, like, show you the nasty part. And that's really the only time I ever actually have anything close to a sex scene in my books. There are no other sex scenes in my books. Is there? There's a book I'm currently working on. Is there a... Oh, God, excuse me. No, there isn't. There's there's no sex scene. There's... Um, well, I guess it's not really a spoiler if you read the first book, but... One of my characters gets sexually assaulted, right? A trigger warning, I guess. Um, and the way I handle it in the book I'm currently writing is that you get what happens right before it. There is a wham line that lets you know what is happening in that scene. And then next chapter. So you already you you understand what is happening, right? I give you the setup like, okay, this character's getting attacked. There's a wham line to let you know that this isn't just a regular attack. This is a sexual assault. And then it cuts to the next chapter. I don't need to show you anything else. I don't need to show you anything in detail. I don't. You get the idea. And on top of that, it's much smarter to write it that way because the human mind will always create things worse than anything anyone could actually write. So, I wrote it that way so that, in all honesty, the horror gets upped by me writing it that way. Because you're just going to fill in the blanks and it's going to be horrible. And on top of that, in the next chapter, the characters react to the way that they found the character that was sexually assaulted. And their reactions make you go, damn, how bad was it? And that's way more powerful than than something like, um, what is that movie? Um... Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's th- th- that movie just. There was a bunch of shit in that movie that really didn't need to be in it. And then there was another movie. I, I talked about this in the previous episode about sex. Um, uh, so it was like some French movie with a 10 minute long sexual assault scene. I'm not going to talk about it again. But those scenes are just uncomfortable to watch. As a matter of fact, what, was Girl with the Dragon Tattoo? Um, I probably need to put up an incognito <laughs> tab for this one. Yeah, yeah, there was. I, I, it's been like a decade since I've seen that mo- movie, so I had to double check. Um, if I was if I was right in my assertion that there was a, a sexual assault scene, there were two in that movie. Actually, is that there was one where the main character, um, the main character that with the tattoo. Um, gets uh gets forced upon, and then there's a oh Lizbeth is her name. Um, yeah, there's there's one where the character Lizbeth gets sexually assaulted, and there's another one where she where she revenge sexually assaults one of her uh one of her attackers. And I yeah 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 uh it was someone named Salander, Salander. Salander? Is it Salander? What kind of name is that? I I read that and I thought that shit that shit says Salamander. And where is he? Where is he in the cast list? 
Hey, yo, what the shit? Where is he? No, wait. Oh, I'm stupid as shit. Oh, my God. Lisbeth's last name is Salander. <laughs> I'm stupid. Okay, so Sal Salander is Lisbeth, and then Bjurman is the guy that forced himself upon her as he was his as he was her legal guardian which is damn that's that's fucked up dude damn yeah and then yeah that that revenge scene was wild dude like i don't even want to say what she did to that man bro that shit was intense and i was i was like 16 when i saw that movie bro i was like oh my god this is fucking wild but yeah um but yeah it didn't really add much to for us to actually see you know, I, I, like the first scene where he sexually assaults her wasn't really needed, but the scene that she revenge sexually assaulted him, I don't even know how to like describe that. Basically, when she gets her revenge on him, that scene has more of a place in the movie than the one before it. Because, oh, excuse me, because the point of that scene is to, to, is a catharsis factor, which is a trope. Let's look it up. A catharsis factor where, um, uh, a character has been a, a complete and other utter monster and the the character is able to enact this huge bit of revenge against them for all of the evil shit that they've done which catharsis factor the feeling of satisfaction via completing certain things in in video games what oh oops Non-video game examples have their own page. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Catharsis Factor. Let's see if there's... Let me see if that movie is in here. But I guess Girl with the Dragon Tattoo isn't in here. Because it, it is a your mileage... Your mileage may vary trope, so it's not 100% guaranteed it will be on this page. Let me look it up, let me look it up, let me look it up. The girl with the dragon tattoo. Oh, it's not on here. Oh, yeah. Uh, but but there is a trope that that establishes that he is beyond saving, which is the moral event horizon. Which, oh man, that is an entire episode that we gotta talk about another day, because that that man, that shit's rad. The moral event horizon is such an interesting conversation. But yeah, um, enough about this. We've we've basically buried the hatchet with this topic. Um, next time, put a pin in the the moral event horizon. We're gonna talk about that in, in the next episode because that is, ooh -wee, that is a good topic right there. Moral event horizon because it's so subjective and there and there are compelling cases for why someone has crossed it and why someone hasn't. So. I have been your host, Alistair Hagen. I'm about to down this butterscotch beer right now. Hold up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so good. But, yeah. I've been your host, Alistair Hagen. Go get you a butterscotch beer because it's delicious. Your kids can have it. It's non-alcoholic. Trust me. It's delicious. I will see you guys in the next episode see ya
Thank you for listening to the Blur Havoc podcast. Purchase the Blur Havoc book series on Amazon Kindle or paperback today. 